Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. What is going on? Well, turns out that this week, up to the, up to the date of recording, which is January seventeenth, was very eventful. You think uh, this is this is episode seventy five? Losing some energy. Um, I, I titled this on Monday when the BNR announcement came up, which is one of our main topics. Uh, the other main topic we're going to talk about is the fact that today there was a, a couple articles and a live stream discussing the MTG Arena economy announcement, uh, which I tweeted out uh, via the podcast account that it, the, the in-game economy <clears throat> is what's going to make or break MTG Arena, and we'll talk more about that a little bit, for, a little bit further into the episode. Oh, absolutely. But first, we want to turn our eyes to the community real fast, because number one, Rivals of, Rivals of, Rivals of Ixalan... Say comes out f- on Friday. Say that five times fast. Go. Rivals of Rivals of Ixalan. 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 Yeah, you ha! just you just messed up the first time. That's all. I just messed up the first time. Yeah, uh, it's looking a lot of fun, uh, especially with the BNR announcement. There seems to be a lot of shakeups going on as far as people brewing and whatnot. But we'll definitely I, get to that when we get to talking about the BNR announcement. I won't lie. Like I honestly was like, oh right, yeah, it actually hasn't come out in paper yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because and. Thankfully, you know I'm saying because thankfully they've switched over to basically starting all the online kind of like quote unquote pre-release, just regular draft queues and every standard queues, all that kind of stuff. It's legal online, so everyone's streaming it. So yeah. it was hard. It was yeah. like it was like, oh yeah, forgot about paper. And speaking of streaming, our very own Ian, you became a Twitch affiliate the other day. Heck yeah, got the email last night. Uh, turns out that all I needed to do was just actually, you know have a life and or have time to actually str- string together seven streams in 30 days. That's literally the only thing that was holding me back. <laughs> hey, congratulations. Thank you. Thank uh, you. For that. Yeah. I'm hopefully, pro- made, hopefully down the line you get partner, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Look, Look, I tried. I know. Here's the thing. Like with the way they've changed it, like, yeah, you have a lot more powerful options as a Twitch partner, but for right now I will take being an affiliate because I get subs, I can get bits, it's nice, it's just, I don't know. I would have don't had it a long time ago if this had been around, like, three, four years ago. Uh, don't you also get, like, one emote? I get three, Ooh. but it's one at each monetization level, so $5, $10, and $25. That's right. So, I forgot they did the, the super premium uh, emotes, too. Yeah, uh, I need, so I think, like... If you're the channel owner, you just get to use all three of your emotes. I don't know how this works yet because I haven't really dug into it that much. Pretty sure that's the case. Yeah, but um, pretty sure I need to think of what the emotes are even going to be <laughs> first and then hire some friends. Because remember, kids, pay the artists. Pay your artists. We paid our artists for our for our logo. Yeah, it's, it's good. Artists. Yes. Always commission and pay a reasonable rate. Exactly. But uh, other than that, ban restricted announcement. Yeah, so I was under the, the impression that there was just going to be like no announcement, period, uh, because they had said that they weren't going to mess with modern prior towards Pro Tour Rivals of Ixalan, which is a modern Pro Tour. Uh, but there is going to be a, be a BNR announcement almost immediately after that Pro Tour that won't take place for another week, so it doesn't interfere with GP Lyon, I believe, which is also modern. Yes. Yeah, they, they made the announcement that they don't want to basically have the pro tour and then make a ban announcement uh just or ban and restricted announcement i should say because they don't want people who are planning to go to gp leon and have been planning maybe for months now 
to all of a sudden yeah. have their deck invalidated literally the week they go. It's like, oh, congratulations, that $600 pile of cards you got there, or $1,000 pile of cards, literally unplayable. Yeah. So the the BNR announcement was focused entirely on standard. There were no changes in any other formats, uh, kind of as we expect. Legacy and vintage and modern to an extent uh, tend to not have they don't tend to move very often in their be and their ban and restriction announcements unless something is really a problem. Uh, um, to, to be fair, the only thing that might have happened in any other format was Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, because Deathrite Shaman was too good for modern, and some people are arguing it's too good for Legacy now, which is, in my opinion, a little silly. But I understand the power of that card because if you ever watch the Deathrite Shaman mirror matches, they are painful. It's literally just land go, land it go, is. and you play a dance around. Who has more mana sources and who has more Deathrite Shaman on the battlefield to actually f- win the fight over the card in the graveyard? Exactly. But there were a grand total of four bannings in Standard. Uh, ba- ba- mainly because, and Ian Duke does a fantastic job in the article, which there's a link in the description, uh, discussing the, the two main culprits, which were the Teamer and Four Color Energy decks and Romanop Red. Uh, this is a similar ban philosophy they took last winter. Uh, when they banned Embercool, Smuggler's Copter, and Reflector Mage, where you can't just ban one card or one card out of the top two decks and not expect the next deck down not to just start dominating. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I was happy about with that is, I mean, I obviously, I, I was expecting one of the cards, like outright, hoping for the second card from Energy, was kind of hoping that one the first card we'll mention from Ramanop Red was out, and the fourth one just came out of left field. But again, Ian Dick does a great job in the article of explaining it and goes over all and goes over a bunch of data uh, as well, which is something that the players would love to have. But we've already had, but Ian and I have already had that discussion. Um, but essentially, the two cards that were taken out of Energy were Attune with Ether and Rogue Refiner. So for uh, those for those of you who have been yeah. living under a rock for the last, you know year plus yes. with a tomb of either it's green sorcery uh reveal your uh, search your li- library for a basic land card reveal it put in your hand then shuffle your library you get two energy and rogue refiner is one green blue three two human rogue when it enters the battlefield draw a card and you get two energy so the philosophy here is that they basically banned the cards that make free energy but also give you an incidental effect not that having a 3-mana three 3-2 three, that draws you a card is not incidental, because that's a pretty powerful card in and of itself in Rogue Refiner. Like, it, it might even have seen play. Yeah. Like, actual constructive play. But then with the Tune with Ether, the thing that surprised me most about the Tune with Ether ban is that the card without the energy is literally Lay of the Land. Green, Sorcery, Search your Library for a Basic Land, Reveal it, put it into your hand, then Shuffle. And that card is not constructed playable. However, no. tacking on this 2 energy let you really jumpstart your energy, which is another resource. And Magic at its core is a resource management game. And that was the big, that was one of the big hits to this, the energy decks because I could play a two with ether on one. And then on turn two, I can play long tusk cub and it's a two minute three, three or an even bigger further down the line. Yeah. It, the snowball effect that would, that occurred just from energy itself. Now, don't get me wrong. Energy is a hell of a mechanic, and I think you know Rosewater and Co. did a great job implementing it in its first go around. Like, remember they've been working on this one for ages, and obviously, when you introduce a new concept, it's going to have a rocky start. 
Just look yeah. at equipment. Look at skull clamp. <laughs> look at Jite. Yeah. Um, Jite is a different mistake, but similar area. It's one of those like very little experience with it in a certain play field. And you don't know how players are going to abuse it, how they're going to find the nooks and crannies to eke the most they can out of the cards. Because remember, resources, they're going to, players are going to look for any kind of edge in any competitive arena. There's a reason why green, blue, X was the energy basis uh, centering around. Teamer yeah. uh, was the popular one for World of Virtuoso and black ones with glint sleeve siphoner and uh, other kind of counter-based strategies. With Winding Constrictor were very popular back when it first came out, and it started seeing a resurgence lately towards the end. Um, it's just the being able to really stack your land draw. Like, you literally have a green source and a tune with Aether. You hit whatever color you need. Turn one, and you're good golden. Like, it literally read, draw land extra, like, just draw an extra land. Plus, with the Tune with Ether, it enabled the four-color energy decks where it was, like, Teamer, Splashing, Scarab God, and the like. Yeah. Um, which, Matt, which Wizards clearly was like, mm, that's a little, a little much. Uh, because the last time there were very easy four-color mana bases was Battle for Zendikar Standard, and that standard was... It, one of the big complaints from Wizards was the mana was better than we thought, and it was enabling these $1,000 decks, which uh, was a little too pricey. Although, again, Wizards can't acknowledge the secondary market for good reason. Yeah. I'm actually kind of sad, like, I got off of and just completely forgot about uh, Electrostatic Pummeler. Yeah. Pummeler is is, a, is worse now without a Tune with Ether. I think it's still fine. It's just that you might – it might be slower by a turn and that actually – that turn might actually just kill the deck. But And here's here's the funniest part, though. So there's there's kind of a side under, I guess, a underlying current to the ban and restrict announcement with the amazing article that was written is that hey here's the uh matchup data for magic online and everyone's like really really you get you you paired us down to five deck lists a day and yet then you just dump literally the match game one and then post cyborg percentages on us come on so they wanted to show the reasoning why and no 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 no. the reasoning why is fine it's just it, it caused the stir in the community where we're just, everyone's just like Dude. Yeah. Uh, the crazy thing uh, when you look at this data is that uh, Teamer Energy uh, has a grand total of like 60% win percentage. Or no, that's I'm thinking of the next of Ramanop Red. But uh, post board, uh, Teamer Energy has a has a above 50% winning percentage against every deck that they list, except Red Green Pummeler, which is a which is a 46 total match win percentage, and it's a 49.8% win favorite post board yeah post board literally is just the same as in the mirror match because obviously the mirror match is going to be the you know going to give yeah. you identical results it's as close to a statistical coin flip as you can get yeah um now i the funny I the, fun, to... the, the, the funny finds well hold on, i just want to say the funny things to look at are some of these the terrible game one matchups just the swing between game one to post sideboard of decks like white blue cycling and white blue approach hmm interesting color combination there but they go from being a 29 percent win rate in game one against white blue cycling and a 23.7 percent white blue approach to literally 60 percent and higher after sideboarding like they're literally going to lose game one about two-thirds of the time actually more than that 
about a fifth of the time they're going to win. So four fifths of the time they're losing, and then they instantly swing back around to winning two thirds of the time. It's insanity. It's like the reverse of Dredge. Dredge always wins games one and, and struggles with games two and three. Yeah, like because <laughs> it just shows like this sh- it shows the power of the cyborg cards that are available and the toolbox when you can fix your mana so well. Uh, now, I do want to say before we get on to the Ramanop Red, because uh, we've now seen Smuggler's Copter uh, be banned out of the vehicles for uh, Kaladesh, and we've seen three major energy cards get banned with Etherworks Marvel, Attune with Ether, and Rogue Refiner. I don't think that this is a criticism of the block as being busted or broken. I do think the block is definitely more, or Kaladesh block was definitely more powerful uh, than Amonkhet block or, Ry- or Ixalan block was. I think that this is also not a like a, a like a death toll for the mechanic energy or the mechanics of vehicles like we've seen in Ixalan. I just think that um, for standard and for constructed, they needed to be a little bit more. Uh, what's the word? A little bit. They need to be a bit more careful in how they design energy cards going forward because I do think we're going to see energy come back, and I look forward to it. But we can't have this again. But we'll see. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Pretty fun, I guess. <laughs> Look, I loved Energy. Energy was a great, it was no, my favorite mechanic. But it was a great deck, and it was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, the fun thing is that Team Energy's not dead. It literally just five zero to Standard League, and they put yeah. the deck list up today. Yeah. Uh the the main change is the fact that Jade Light Ranger is replacing the Rogue Refiner slot, which is not as good as Rogue Refiner. Uh, because Rogue Refiner is always a 3-2 that draws you a card, whereas Daylight Ranger could be a, a 4-3 that you know what the top card of your deck is going to be, or maybe not. Or it'll be a 3-2 that draws you a land. Um, but it's not the same, and I think that if you look at the energy decks now, like you look at the at this deck, which is by uh, MTGO user Mason Clark, uh, the amount of energy cards is much reduced. There's 4 Harness Lightning, 4 Bristling Hydra. Uh, four Long Tusk Cub, four Servant of the Conduit, and four Ruler Virtuoso, and then one Confiscation Coup in the main deck. With the four, yeah. The, the and mana four base, Hub. The Mana Bath is still a little... Yeah. It, it switched into playing some Cycling Lands. Um, because they need to. Yeah, but the, the Mana Bath mostly is still the same. Uh, it's It'll be interesting to see as we go forward if it remains a tier 1 or tier 1.5 deck. I mean, it still might be 1.5. Um, yeah. Current king of the meta right now, Grixis Midrange. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, it's a deck. <laughs> it's got it's got some good cards in it, so. I mean, now, Raven- Ravenous Chupathingy is a thing. Yeah, Ravenous Chupathingy. Uh, the next set of bannings were from uh, Ramanop Red. One of them is the namesake card, Ramanop Ruins, uh, which, is a le- which is a desert land that taps for colorless, or tap, you can p- tap and pay a life to make a red mana, or you can pay two red red, tap it, sack a desert to deal two damage to each opponent. This just added so much extra late game and reach to a deck that I think mono red is best when it tr- when it if it doesn't win by turn five, its winning percentage goes from like seventy five percent to twenty five percent. Yeah, the and this it, this yeah. land by itself basically all but push control out of the meta with the exception of white red just because it had fumigate or white blue which yeah. had fumigate because it could regain the life like blue black control grixis control blue red control gone yeah and the other thing to note is that like when you're playing a romanop ruins deck you're also playing you're playing four of them because it's not legendary and you're playing four sun desserts because you're playing mono red 
So that's four damage just on the Sun Scorched Deserts. Then you have the four Ramanap Ruins, so you have eight total other deserts. That's 16 more damage. That's 20 damage in your lands alone. And so all you need is your creatures and, and burn spells to do incidental damage, and then, oops, you know, your opponent's dead. Which, I loved playing it for uh, for a little bit there, although I can definitely see why the Ruins needed to go. Yeah. So, the second yeah. card. <laughs> the second card is the one that a lot of people were a little confused about. Which is Rampaging Ferocidon. Two in a red for a 3-3 dinosaur rare from Ixalan. It has Menace. It says players can't gain life. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield, Rampaging Ferocidon deals one damage to that creature's controller. Now, there were uh, there is a list of cards that um, Ian Duke posted that said that they were considering. Uh, including Oncrop Casher, Bomat Courier, Earthshaker Kendra, or Hazaret. Uh, I do think Ferocidon is definitely the right pick out of those five. Uh, alongside Ramanop Ruins, of course. Uh, and basically, they put it into the set to deal with the Sihili combo. Yeah, literally, because, literally it's yeah. there to be like, okay, if you're going to make an arbitrarily large number of things, it's going to deal an arbitrarily large number of damage to you. And you playing Jeskai Sihili, you can't fumigate your board to make the life back. Nice try. Yeah. And then there's a, uh, par- a paragraph after that, which says, two strategies that have historically been effective against aggressive red decks have been flooding the board with small creatures and gaining life, which the Ferocidon just shuts down entirely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because those, now those, the tokens X, yeah, those, they, they can't make all their tokens because they're going to die. Yeah, so like before the Ferocidon was out, there were those decks and those crazy games where you'd see like, there's like 300 freaking tokens on the board, the ones that would play like all the... Uh, you know, Anointed Processions and... Oh, Catcher's Monument. Yeah, Catcher's Monument ones and... Uh, oh, what's the card... Hidden Stockpile? The, the, cleric, the Cleric, yeah. Hidden stock, oh, Anointed Priest. Yeah, Anointed Priest with all, like, basically the Hidden Stockpile token decks, gone. Yeah. Sh- straight up gone. The Mono White Aggro decks, gone. Because mm-hmm. you, you literally just get domed out. Yeah. Especially with Vampires, because a lot of them have, a lot, or all the Vampire tokens have lifelink, and then suddenly, instead of being able to catch you up when you're behind, which is what you want your 1-1 lifelinkers to do, the Frostodon says, nah, take one. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you literally just take a damage for that one one being just being created and you're like, what the what? No. Yeah. Why? So I, yeah, so I think the Frostodon um is a symptom of something that I I, th- I talked about during the last BNR announcement, I believe, um, or during the Ixalan design or something along those lines, about a mat a standard environment is an ecosystem where all the cards are supposed to have interplay between one another. And if you remove one of the, when you remove a card, suddenly there might be a deck or another card that that, that, that single card keeps down that will then become a problem. It's similar to a predator-prey model, where if you have rabbits and foxes in an ecosystem and you remove all the rabbits, well, the foxes are going to die out. But if you remove all the foxes, the rabbits just explode in population and overwhelm the entire, the entire ecosystem. Yeah, the back, of, the back and forth just goes away. Yeah, and so while I think that Ferocidon was definitely the right the right decision of the cards they mentioned um because the other thing that they mentioned is like like how crasher and kenra and earthshaker kenra prevented blocking which is something that red decks are want to do and bomat courier and hazaret uh gave it a little extra late game which they didn't want to hurt those they just wanted to hit the lands which the land ramanop ruins was the prime offender uh, i hope that removing ferocidon or removing all these cards in general doesn't suddenly bring up another broken deck or another deck that takes their same metagame percentage and runs away with everything. Well, I will say this. There was a 5-0 Obzon tokens deck today. Yes. 
Yeah, obs on tokens, uh, because, yeah, with these bannings that came into effect on Monday, there have been some exciting brews uh, going on. Um, like, it's, like Ian said, uh, today there was absent tokens highlighted by Norte Priest, Fumigate, Hidden Stockpile, Anointed Procession, uh, as well as Vraska Relic Seeker, which is what the green's for. Because uh, you put your opponent's life total to one, and then you just kill them with all your 1-1s. One there's the Dino deck. There's a, there's a red-green Dino deck, uh, which is not playing Cherished Hatchling, to my dismay. Uh, there's also uh, Grixis Midrange. That you mentioned, Glint Sieve Siphoner, Glorybringer, Ravenous Chip of Thingy, Scarab God, uh, TGH, and Whirler Virtuosos alongside Removal, Counter Spells, and Chandra. Uh, and then on uh, yesterday, uh, as of recording, on the 16th, we have uh, we have Black Green Counters slash Energy with uh, featuring four copies of Ravenous Chip of Thingy. Uh, Mono Red, actually not Mono Red, Red White Path of Metal, which yeah. if, this if is a weird remember, de- this is a weird deck. So Path of Metal is red-white legendary enchantment from Rivals. When it comes into play, it deals one damage to each creature that doesn't have First Strike, Double Strike, Vigilance, or Haste. And then when you attack with at least two creatures that have First Strike, Double Strike, Vigilance, and or Haste. Not necessarily both of that both creatures have to have the same keyword, but they have to have one of those keywords. Uh, you transform it, uh, and then it turns into a legendary land that taps for any color of mana... Uh, you can pay, is it two in a red and tap and deal three to each opponent? One in, one in a red, uh, Mitsali Tower of Triumph deals two damage to each opponent and one in a, or two in a white tap, choose a creature at random that attacked this turn. Destroy that creature. Yeah, that's, that's a funny, that's the funniest part of that card to me. Um, but the card that I'm most excited to see in it is, uh, my little buddy, the Relentless Raptor. He just wants, he just wants to hug everybody. Just, yeah. just wants to so, give everybody hugs. So all of the creatures in this deck have one of those keywords. Haste, haste, first strike. Yeah. yeah not that any of these cards weren't not were unplayable before. Like, the mono red deck would still be playing Oncrop Crasher, Bomat Courier, Dire Fleet Daredevil, Earthshaker Kendra, Fanatical Firebrand, Hazard, or Kari Zev. It's just that the Relentless Laughter is just kind of there going, hey! It's like, what's up, bros? <laughs> yeah. You guys want to party here? Sweet. Oh, fun, exactly. fun fact. They ban Ramanop Red, and then they just bring the white. Desert in. Shepherd is not as broken. Shepherd Dunes, by broken. the way, is uh, two white white tap sack a desert. Creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn and activates ability only anytime you can cast a sorcery. Literally it's just a you know, a one one boost across your guys. Yeah, it's a one turn anthem and it's only three in the deck, so yeah. it's, just there for, it's just there for late game like pop you. Side question. Would Ramanop Ruin still be ban-worthy if it said activate only as a sorcery? I don't know. That's, that's a question for the, the, the design the developers to answer. That's actually kind of interesting because the whole yeah. point of that deck is that it could just like sit with mana open, threaten to be like, all right, tap for sack a land, untap, play a land, play a one play a one or two mana creature, pass, tap, sack one of my other deserts, pop you again, untap, win. Uh, also, there were two Godfarrow's Gifts decks that made the uh, that made five O. One of them is the usual kind of Esper style, Esper style with um, Angel of Invention and black cards like Hostage Taker. Yep. The other one is Jeskai with Refurbish. Yeah. So, so you the- refurbish your Godfarrow's Gift, and then you uh, make copies of uh, or you make token copies of Champion of Wits, like you would uh, Baral, which is very spicy. Uh, Combat Celebrant, which is much better as a 4-4 than a 4-1. And then uh, my spice, my favorite spicy inclusion, Chaos Maw. Dude, that oh, was... Oh, man. Oh, so fu- it's so hilarious. 
just like yeah. bop six six for seven but no you're getting it back from the board you're yeah. you're you're never if you're casting that for seven in that deck you're you're doing it wrong it also has madcap experiment which is also <laughs> hilarious it's just, just so crazy yeah because it's literally it's literally copies uh five six and seven yeah. of god pharaoh's gift and then the other deck that 5 owed was uh, something that we all kind of expected to show up, hopefully, which is Blue-Green Merfolk. Hell yes. Um, only one copy of Jaylight Ranger, which I wonder if that is because they only want one or because they only had one. Uh, the surprise to me is that they had four copies of Kumena, but uh, so still. I'll say this. So the one on the 16th had the J- – had the uh, there was one that had Jaylight Ranger. There's another one that was on the 16th by Gracious Portano that didn't. No, that's what I'm looking at. There's one Jade Light Ranger in it. Oh, okay. I must be looking at the wrong one then. Yeah, there's three Jungleborn Pioneers, which um, I was watching the uh, MTG Goldfish Top 10 Cards for Modern, and they listed this Jade as Jungleborn Pioneer, two and a green, two, two, Merfolk Scout, comes into play, make a one, one blue Merfolk with Hexproof as a modern playable card in blue, green Merfolk. Yeah. As as people are starting to call it Tropical Fish. Yeah. It's a... Uh... It's a crazy deck. I think Kumena's three. I know. So we were talking the uh, the little chat we've got with uh, the play group, uh, John's yeah. buddies and stuff like that. And so it's like four Kumena. I'm like, I don't like four in the deck. I don't either. I think three is a better number three's, because he's legendary. Three is a good number. Yeah, two but is. But if you little... always want, if you always want Kumena though, yeah, that's the thing. Well, it depends. All right, so there's actually there was a really good article by uh, Chantel Campbell. We'll put the notes in there uh, that she wrote for on a car kingdom yes about a couple different variants uh some brews a green blue green merfolk there's a low to the ground bash their facing quickly with evasive with all the evasive guys like the miss cloak herald and stuff like that that focuses on like getting a couple early threats down and then just popping a bunch of counters on them and making them like unbeatable threats mm-hmm. with a couple of counter backups and then there's more of a mid-range style there's you know you can play a couple of them that focus on counters with, you know, in a black green shell, if you want a uh, wine constrictor and um, what's it called? Virtuous gear Hulk. Mm. That was kind of interesting. And then they, she had a list like for tropical fish and modern. So I, it's a good one. Um, it's kind of interesting to see where the deck is going. Like I said, there's a couple different variants right now. This the beat them quick, go wide with tokens that have the um, entrancing melody or not entrancing melody. What's the deep card? root waters. Deep root waters. That's the one. Yeah, deep root waters, which basically is just a way to just make a whole bunch of go wide stuff, which I think is kind of fun and interesting. Yep. Um, whether or not that's gonna stick around in later incarnations of the deck, eh, who knows? I, I just love the rivers rebuke out of the sideboard in some of these decks. It's so it's so fun. <laughs> it definitely is gonna get people. So. Well, I mean, yeah, so the, the key with Rivers Rebuke is like, why would you do that? It's like, well, if you got a bunch of like one ones and two ones and three twos and stuff on the battlefield and your opponent's got like bigger stuff, just pop it out of the way. Yep. Punch it in. Get, I mean, everyone's, here, everyone's seen how good it is in limited. Like it, it'll do the same on a board stall and standard. So oh, all those yeah. tokens, by the way, goodbye. Uh, another deck that 5 owed was uh, Mardu Vehicles, which is back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That deck's never going to go away. <laughs> it's never going to go away until the vehicles leave, so that's nice. Uh, I think that's going to do it for our, kind of, our talk about the BNR. I think I know a lot of people are excited to brew and brew a little bit further than what we've got so far. I love uh, Red White Path of Metal being a deck. 
and I'm interested to see uh, where it goes from there. So actually, before we actually get in, off of this real quick, we just want to talk about standard a little bit. And you know, we mentioned modern. Um, some people have also brought this up too, and I kind of feel it as well, where we're in a really weird spot right now with standard. Um, you know, everyone didn't really like the format when it was just like, you know, teamer.deck or energy.deck or energy.deck slash ramenop.deck. And then a lot of the major content creators like Star City Games and other stuff. We've hit modern season is what basically I'm getting at. Um, a lot of the major events over the next two to three months are straight up modern and legacy. Like SCG has like I think two standard opens like I mean, this entire been, season. SCG has been strangling from standard for a little – for a while now. So but that's no, unsurprising. But, no, but yeah. It, but it took a hard turn here. Now it's like everyone's just like – Man, now I want to brew, and I'm not going to get any deck lists. <laughs> I mean, you'll get deck lists, but the, I think I'm still of the opinion that people to put too much faith in the Pro Tour to set the meta. But oh, I do we'll too. We'll see. Oh well, it's that's modern Pro Tour. We don't even have a standard Pro Tour coming up. It's modern. No, I know, which is also why. Yeah. Um, so, but which and even, is and, especially relevant here. Yeah, and and now with the the slow trickle of only getting five decks a day for Magic Online, it's like, come on, man, let's see some like. I want to like. I'm trying to see Blue Green Merfolk. Like I, I think it's a fun and interesting kind of aggro slash potential tempo ish style kind of deck. Like that seems fun to me. I have to watch the slow trickle of people's deck lists and see how they're tweaking the numbers. Because yeah, you're gonna put four Silver Guild depth in this deck. Yeah, you're gonna put like four Deeper Elite in here. What about the other numbers? Command of Speaker is probably going to be in there for a lot because that's just a darn good card. Plus one, plus one, as long as you control Merfolk and an Island. Like, come on, you're going to have that. It's going to be a 2-2. It's a modern playable card now. Um, but just not being able to see, you know, where all of this is going to go and see how evolution of decks. And this is what was talked about when we went to the five decks a day too. We're just rehashing it all over again is that, you know, when when it's time to brew, getting very slow trickle of information kind of maddening but i understand why yeah so that's just my personal look on that i i am excited for modern uh season coming up just because i've, I've seen more people starting to post dip, dip their toe in the waters with infect again and it doesn't seem to be doing very well <laughs> fatal push uh changed a lot of things no nah, yeah so like for instance today eduardo sagelik who did a great job on coverage uh the other week uh his first first go out um He's been doing like a different modern deck a day, and today's was in fact, and he went two and three, and he's like, yeah, basically fatal push and all the hand attack that exists now, because there's a lot of black based hand attack kind of decks out there, especially the you know death shadow variants and all of those things, and heck, even Tron is now packing fatal push and some hand attack, and it's like, what the heck is going on here? So usually. Infect beats up on Tron, but that was red green. And now that they've gone to this fatal push black based or black and green uh, shell, it's just like, it doesn't look like the format for it. Granted, a skilled pilot will beat, will get a higher win percentage a lot of times. I know Emma, who played the deck a lot, a lot, a lot, will absolutely skew her win percentage higher with the deck because she's so familiar with it and her skilled play will absolutely beat out other players just jamming a deck for like the 20th time mm -hmm. but that said i'm probably gonna be doing a, a modern gp sometime in the next couple weeks if i can while i'm down in arizona so i'm probably going to be packing 
Death Shadow. Unless it gets banned. We'll see. I mean, that's the worst part, too, is, like, I'm going away for two months, and it's, like, all my cards are going to be back here, so it's, like, crap, I got to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to the MTG Arena economy announcement, which, yes. as, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, and mentioned on Twitter, the in-game economy for a digital card game makes or breaks the the accessibility of it. Um, you look at Hearthstone, you look at Eternal, you look at Shadowverse, you look at all these the other card, card games on the market. They all have very different economies that roughly revolve around the same concept. Um, the first thing that you have to know about is for MTG Arena is the in-game currency. And much like in the other games, there's two in-game currencies. There's gold, which you get by playing the game, and gems, which the only way to get gems is to pay real dollars for. Now... There's no price point on gems as of yet because the developers are focusing on the free-to-play economy right now. Uh, so that there's not much we can talk about there aside from the fact that it's what you expect. Yeah. Now, the way to get cards, which is the thing that Magic players or players of any digital card game do care about, comes in five ways that they noted in the article, which, by which if you didn't know, there's a link in the description. The first way is eight-card booster packs with five commons, two uncommons, and one rare or mythic rare. Which is, you know, pretty standard for a digital card game. Um, I'm unsurprised they did eight card packs instead of the fourteen card pa- or the fifteen card packs that we see in paper. Uh, but that's mainly probably that's probably more to do with uh, limiting how quickly you can build a collection. Yeah, especially with what we'll see later on. It's kind of hard without getting onto it. Yeah. So. Then there's also drafts where you get to keep the cards, which is apparently not a thing in every digital card game. Uh, like Hearthstone, you don't keep the cards you, you draft in Arena. Um, and in drafts, you have the usual 14-card packs, or the usual 15-card packs with that basically land removed. Um, so that's not as big of an issue for that. Uh, then you can get individual cards earnable through play. Uh, there's not a whole lot else said about that, except they're, they're testing a system where for every match win, players will receive one card up to 30 per day. And I guess the question is, which cards are earnable each day? Is it just like a random common for like wins one through fifteen or whatever? Like we don't know yet. There's not. There's no more details on the art on the article about that. Yeah. Uh, there are wild cards, which are special cards that have a chance to appear in the place of each card in any rarity in any booster pack you open. Uh, but it does also mention that wild cards have their own rarity, and you can redeem a wild card one to one for a card at that same rarity. So does that mean if I open a booster pack and there's like a, there's a random card, can I replace it with a wild card, or is it just like a one-off thing? It doesn't. It, there's no specificity here, and in order to really get a good grasp on it, we need to see the percentages, and I don't know if they're going to show us that. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, no, we'll keep going. <laughs> and then the last one is the is the vault, uh, because. In digital card games, if you get extra cards, usually in the games that we've seen so far in the digital card game space, if you get cards beyond the playset, you can destroy them, or dust them, as as it's usually referred to, uh, and to get a different in-game currency, which can only be which can be then used to create cards. Instead, we have the vault in MTG Arena, which whenever you open a booster pack, if you open your fifth copy of a card, or more, uh, instead of getting that card, you earn Vault Progress, which would, which I'm assuming there's going to be some sort of tracker that says, "Here's your Vault Progress," and there's a bar that'll fill up. And then when you fill it, when it fills up, you open the vault and you get 
and they are going to start by awarding a number of wild cards. So this is the way you get cards in MTG Arena. There's And they do mention something later on about no dusting, which we'll get to later. But there's no dusting. There's no crafting. The only way to get rid of cards is to get a play set of them. Yeah, I don't... Here's the thing. Like, okay. I will freely admit that I have not had the time to delve into Hearthstone or into um, Eternal. Especially Eternal. The way that I would have liked to have once it was announced. Like, when I saw Eternal was announced, I'm like, heck yeah, this looks like a fun, like, you know, change of pace from Magic for me for a little bit. And I've just never had the time to put the mental energy into that to even learning a lot about the game. It kind of stinks because I'm sure John can tell you. It's a fun game, right? It's really fun. I mean, you write articles for freaking New My Gaming about it. And you wouldn't be writing articles about a game that you didn't enjoy. That is true. So I'm absolutely going to defer to you a lot heavily on this because I have not spent my time in a digital card game space nearly as much as you have with this. That said, I still haven't got my beta invite because I didn't get the priority beta because I wasn't in excellent pre-release because I was at army training. So I'm still waiting. Yeah. Until I get in and get my hands on this game, I feel really bad and I actually don't really like spitting hot takes about it because this is well, I'm, I'm saying this is something that i did really 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 want to just go in with a very open mind and not be you know colored or uh biased when i start playing it uh with oh yeah well, this looks like it's gonna stink and blah 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 it's like you know, give me a chance to try ma- this magic ring like this is the one thing i will actually put my time and energy into trying in terms of those games because it's gonna be very close to magic so it's not much of a difference in that sense however some of the stuff does seem a little wonky to me and this is where again i'm gonna defer to you so there so was yeah, it, there were some uh, choice choice things that people are like cracking boosters it's like uh well, before we talk about this, let's talk about the rest of the article because the, the second half of the article is talking about their core principles. Yeah. Uh, the first of which is make our players valuable time as fun as possible. Uh, and they have a few ways, and they mentioned three bullet points on how they want to do that. They're going to front load rewards, so you get more rewards playing the first hour or two, in the closed beta at least, of MTG Arena. Uh, they're going to have – each day is going to have daily quests like you see in Hearthstone or in Eternal where it's like, hey, get – Three wins with your with your warrior deck, or deal a hundred damage with your fire cards, uh, and then uh, they all they're also going to have further incentive incentives for when you want to play more than that one to two hours. Um, their second one is players need a variety of cards to have the most fun, so reward them with as many as possible, which I think is a very very good goal. And then they list four bullet points on what that means. So they're starting off with cards on wins, which is. Starting testing system that gives you a card on every win up to your 30th win each day, which they mentioned at the top. Each card has a chance of being any card in standard at any rarity, which is nice, but of course that means that it's going to be tilted more towards commons than uncommons than rares than mythics. Obviously. Obviously. Then there's boosters per week, where in the closed beta they're testing rewarding players with the opportunity to earn three to four free boosters a week, which I think is a good goal. Um, it kind of It kind of seems similar to how Eternal does it. Because in Eternal, when you win a game in ranked um, for for uh, constructed play, not for, not for draft, for constructed play, uh, you get a chest. There's bronze, silver, gold, and diamond chests. Uh, each chest gives you an amount of gold, which is the in-game currency, and as well as 
The a bronze chest gives you a common card, any common card from any from any of their sets. A silver chest gives you more gold as well as an uncommon card. A gold chest gives you around 500 gold, which is about half of a pack, as well as one booster pack of an old set, not the current not the current set that's, that 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 just came out, but an older set. And then a diamond chest gives you about 2500 gold as well as a booster pack and a premium card, so a foil of any of any rarity. And there's a 10% chance that your bronze chest goes to a silver or silver to gold or gold to diamond, which kind of fits into that same area that this boosters per week is fitting in. Because if you're playing a lot of Eternal and you're getting a lot of gold, a lot of bronze chests and your bronze chest upgrade to diamonds or, or your silver chest or your silver chest upgrade to gold, or you have a daily quest that gives you a gold chest that upgrades to a diamond quest, that fills that same void which i think helps uh they also mentioned keeper draft which eternal also does where you keep the cards you draft which might which could incentivize people to rare draft if they're trying to build something for standard uh but that's we but that's a whole different thing yeah it's kind of the same thing like you would see on magic online it's like hey am i doing a phantom draft or am i you know keeping the cards and like hey i need this card it's not amazing in my deck but i'm gonna take it anyway like i literally did that in a draft online when I streamed this weekend, like I was very solidly in blue green merfolk, or I was heading, I was hedging towards blue green merfolk. Pack two, pick one, just snag the rekindling phoenix because I'm like, oh, you're cool, you're a twelve dollar card, get in here, recoup my yeah. draft cost. Now they do have a another bullet point about where's the dust, which has kind of become the it's what Hearthstone calls it, um, calls hey, where, their crafting. Where's the, where's the cream filling? Exactly, uh, and they said, and they say in this bullet point. If we had used a traditional dusting system, it would have limited our ability to be as generous with card rewards. In addition, we simply didn't want players to need to constantly evaluate what to destroy. We wanted the path for players to complete their collections. So there's two things in here. One, they didn't want to do crafting because they want to be more generous with their card rewards, which I think is a good idea. However, I don't necessarily think that all players want to complete their collection. I understand that that's a nice goal, but I don't necessarily agree with it. This brings us into their third bullet point, or their third major point, which is make sure players can get the specific cards they want. Uh, now, they discussed doing trading, which I think is going to be nigh impossible in this, where it's like, you know, a magical line, sure, you can buy cards and trade cards with other players or other other people or aka bots, but magic online is supposed to be a simulation of paper magic, where you can still do that. Like if Ian, if you had a card that I needed, I could send you one of uh, some cards of, that I have, and you could send me that card, and that works because that's paper magic, that's physical. Or I could literally just be like, "Yo, you want to play? Like, John, I want to learn Storm. Like, ship me your Magic Online desk for the weekend. Let me let me just jam like three leagues with, leagues with it." Right, because that's what that's what we could do in paper magic. Because like I've had people who have been like, "Hey, can I borrow your X deck?" And I'm like, "Sure, here you go." Um, but there's no other bullet points for making. Play, sure players get the specific cards they want which was another criticism that i saw online where it's like i want to make sure that i can build this deck and what if i'm you know one rare short or one mythic short am i gonna have to wait until i open it in a booster pack how do i get x card when i need it for let's say that magic mtg arena has bi-weekly tournaments for standard i don't know if they are i'm sure that would be a fun thing for them to do. But what if they had a bi-weekly standard tournament and you needed a, I don't know, let's say you needed an Angrath. How are you going to get Angrath? 
You grind. can't make it. You grind. you have to grind. grind. You either have to grind or you pay more money. So I understand. So to be fair, this is still the closed beta, so they're still testing this out. This isn't the official like open beta release or even the official release. And this they do say this is MTG Arena Economy version 1.0. And I think that booster packs and keeper drafts are great. Earning individual cards through play also fine. Wild cards are a little weird. It really depends on which cards are being which cards are being made available as wild cards and how often they're going to pop up and then what's in the vault. All of those things and all of those probabilities are going to be what's important for the people who are going to be the high the high time users, the users who are going to use it a ton. You understand? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, it's it, it's it's kind of a double edged sword for them in this way. It's like, hey, we want to incentivize you to play, and we're not just going to you know be we want to be generous with the card rewards. It's like play the game, dump in here, do this, you get you know you can carry these over and do all this stuff. But then people are like. Yeah, but that's just grinding. Like, what if I don't want to grind? What if I want to just build and go? See, but that's the problem with free-to-play games versus regular Magic. Because, exactly. Yeah, I could go- and no, yeah. that's the problem is people are try- people still just can't seem to bash that free-to-play moniker. And it's not even really free-to-play. There's like it's free to play with an asterisk because of the you know the economy with the gold and gems and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. You know, it's because the other thing, like, well, the funny thing is, though, actually, the, I, th- I would say, I take that back. They do say that you won't be able to get any kind of gameplay content unlock with gems with oh, real yeah, money, no, which that is, would be stupid. I am so happy that it's not free or pay to win. Oh yeah, like some other things can be, but at the same time, it does seem a little. We're janky, but I guess. Well, here's the thing: so both gold and gems can be used to unlock packs, events, and more. Um, so like in eternal, I can spend a hundred gems, which is about a dollar to bit, get one pack, or I can spend a thousand gold, right? Yeah. I can also use gems and gold to, or I can, but I can also use gems to buy packs in bulk on eternal, uh, or I can use gems to enter drafts. I can use gems to enter events, or I can use gems to get cosmetic stuff, which is kind of what they're talking about here. And I don't think that they're silly enough to think that they can get people and be like, Hey, buy these gems and blah no yeah uh, i do think though that yeah like you said this is basically 1.0 yeah nothing ever was amazing on 1.0 no like show me something that was 1.0 of something and you're like that's the best version of it no there's always going to be improvements i wouldn't be surprised to see like a 1.1 or 1.2 come out very shortly after release um maybe if they were to find something they wanted to tweak in addition to it um I honestly think they just need to get more players into the beta. And because right now they're still under an NDA closed beta, non-disclosure agreement closed beta. People have been playing this. They can't talk. Players can't talk about it. But they're like, but people who have been in have been like, in response to all of this stuff coming out, I was like, yeah, I've seen this in the beta and it seems okay. Yeah. It, it seems to me a lot of the people who are like, wow, this stinks, aren't in the beta yet. People who are in the beta are like, it's not bad. Yeah. And that's so, the big thing is making sure that you can actually play with this economy because looking at the economy is one thing, but but seeing how it actually plays out is kind of the big is the big crux of the matter. Yeah, and now, even even economy aside, like I know I'm going to keep harping on this darn thing forever, but until I get an iOS version to play on my tablet, this game will absolutely not have its full potential. 
absolutely. regardless regardless of economy it needs there has port- to be it needs yeah. portability the economy is very important because it's how you're able to acquire cards to build decks to play to play more to play more magic to get more cards to build more decks and so on but it absolutely needs a mobile version but it, it can't well, just exist on computer and here's the thing too having that mobile version is hand in hand with the economy do I want to sit around on my computer, grind out a couple matches, or say I'm, you know, puttering around my room or going out and about and hanging out with friends and, you know, we're out, out grabbing a cup of coffee and I have my, you know, my tablet or my phone. It's like, oh, hey, you guys just want to like just jam a match or something like that real quick. You can just, you know, pop a match off or just being able to take your matches and like, you know, you get that one, your first one of the day. You can take that with you. Like, you know. Now, I do want to say that a lot of people who are, like, not necessarily complaining, but asking why isn't Magic just doing the usual, like, doing what the industry standard is with crafting and dusting and that. And the thing is, sure, they could do that. They could have started with that and it would be fine. However, considering that this is still the clo- this is still the beta, this is still the closed beta, they're still testing things out, this is by no means the final version, I'm fine with them trying something new with their card rewards it may end up being that dusting crafting will be the final economy and at which point the costs for crafting and the rewards for dusting will then need to <coughs> excuse me i had some spit caught in my throat will then you know determine how easy it is to acquire decks yeah um but that's but we just need to see we just need to let this one run its course see whether or not it works, see where they iterate from here. Because again, this is 1.0. This is definitely not going to be the final iteration of the economy. Yeah. yeah. And like, and one thing I want to say, like basically kind of to, you know, use the phrase and apologies, this is going to get bleep most likely uh, giving you a heads up in advance, John. But yeah. uh, <laughs> until we get our hands on this and until we actually get this kind of solidified more, everyone and all of our takes, we're literally just pissing into the wind on this one. We literally don't know if this is going to blow back on us we don't know that this is going to end up working out better than anticipated we just need to let it play out and we need to actually get our hands on and i i'm chomping at the bit to get my hands on this on this uh, beta uh just to see this in action i want to play like the for all we can talk for all we've talked about you know is this going to be maligned is the economy good is it bad i'll tell you this in terms of hype I want my hands on this product. I want to try this out. Yeah. And, and, there's and someone for who that, asked, and for, for all I can say about that, they're doing a darn good job because I really want to try this game. So uh, to kind of close out, uh, Evan Irwin was tweeting out about uh, the new, about the economy and whatnot. And uh, he was wondering, and he sent out a tweet basically saying, why aren't they just doing the normal one? And someone replied, if it was the same as all the others, why would anyone switch? And Evan responded, "Because it's the best game ever made, and <laughs> it's magic. That it, like, it's magic, and magic's great, and that's why uh, I see. That's why I think that Magic Magic Arena will succeed because it is magic. So you know, you know, it'll be the biggest tell for success, I think. And I, I know it's a, a very big pipe dream, honestly, given how entrenched this person has become in the Hearthstone community, but." If Magic Arena can lure uh, Brian Kibler back to the world of Magic, like that, I don't think that's going to happen. But I know, I know it's not going to happen. But I'm saying, like, if it can lure him back into Magic content, even yeah. slightly, that will be a huge get. 
Like that yeah. will that will be the thing that speaks volumes about how quality the project it product is. If someone like Kibler looks at it and be like, man, I love playing Magic, but you know what? I'm still getting paid and become hugely popular playing this other game. I'm just going to stick with that. Like we've seen it. Other players who have been massively popular Magic players have gravitated away towards other of these digital product games. And if we can lure them back or if this lures people away from other games, that would be great. Like, I think, you know, them giving a maze, however he's, I don't know how to say his name, but giving him that invite and stuff like that. Yeah, he didn't do amazing. But we brought interest. We talked about it. We got somebody from another game trying out our game and he was enjoying it. Like, you you give people like that who would enjoy the game of Magic a good digital product where if that's all that's been holding them back from playing the game, congratulations, you just hooked somebody. Yeah. And if they like it enough on digital, they might start playing in paper. So let's, you know, I don't, you know, want to give too many, you know, oh, dropping yeah, hot takes, obviously. But also, there's a lot. Uh, to, there's a lot to be said about where it's going in the future. Where it's where it's at right now. I like the fact that they're incentivizing to play. Um, I will say that when I was in World of Warcraft, once they started introducing daily quests, that kind of they have to walk a fine line where it doesn't feel like a chore. Oh yeah, that's absolutely the case. Because like dailies, the- dailies in uh, World of Warcraft basically were like, okay, I got to log on for two hours and I got to knock out this, this, and this every day, or I won't maximize my potential. It's like if I can pop on for twenty minutes and thirty minutes, maybe do my one, knock out my one or two quests for something like that. Cool, sold. Uh, also. Uh- the booster packs on MTG Arena cannot be the same price as they are in paper. They cannot. That is absolutely a no-go. If the booster packs, if, if by paying money, the booster packs are the same price as they are in paper, Magic Online, MTG Arena has failed. Oh, well, no, thing is boosters, boosters are eight cards, so, like, it would be yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. Or even on even on percentage, percentage basis, like, they can't be that expensive on MTG Arena. Uh, also, another thing, uh, before we close, uh, it looks like... Uh, the MTG Corset 2019 is uh, being bumped up a week. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Forgot to Which put that in the notes. interesting. So, um, uh, July 7th through 8th is the pre-release. The Magic Online launch is July 9th. And everything, and then it's going to be in stores. Uh, da, 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 uh, the 14th, so. Yeah, it's a... Or the 13th, actually, the 13th. But anyways... That's minor news. We'll get yeah. we'll get to we still have Dominaria in between here and then anyways. So. Oh, and another thing is too, Magic Story, another one today. We're still in the thick of it and oh man. Oh buddy. We got some actually like, we got some really good characterization of Angrath today. He's just an angry dad. He, whose he's daughters literally... will drink the who, whose daughters will drink the blood of your emperor. <laughs> it's so good. It's he's like good. I haven't seen my daughters in 14 years and I, even then I know in 14 years I'll still kick your son emperor's butt. It's like, all right. Whoa. Yeah proud dad over here anyways that's gonna do it this week i hope you enjoyed our little ramblings on the bnr announcement and the mtg arena economy uh ian where can people find you well you guys can find me on twitter at dixon ij that's d-i-x-o-n-i-j where i tweet about all kinds of crazy sports oh yeah if you start following me now i apologize in advance about this weekend tweeting about uh the eagles game sports uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an eagles fan now because i don't want either team to win who's in the afc championship game but that's beside the point yeah poor 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 titans um it's okay. is okay baby 
Uh, no, but you guys um, follow me there uh, for stream announcements. And speaking of streaming, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can now sub. I don't. There's no real incentive to subscribe to my channel just yet. I don't have emotes or anything of that sort. But hey, if you want to chip in somehow, any kind of mon- money, Pat. So basically how it works is anything past $100, then I start getting paid out. So up to $100, I get nothing in bits or sub money or anything like that. After that, I'll start getting some income in from there. And when I do that, it will absolutely 100% be getting chunked right back into the stream, be it Magic Online or purchasing other games or anything of that sort. So yeah, I'll be throwing it back into that so I can, you know, draft or brew some standard decks or help pick up cards for modern and stuff like that. And that's at twitch.tv slash dicks, D-I-X. Greatly appreciate you guys stop by, follow, have fun. Yeah, I'm going to be doing FTL stream literally when we stop. In like 15, 15 minutes after we stop, I'm going to probably start streaming. So, John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129 and on Twitch at the same handle. If you see me see me in a chat room, don't hesitate to say hi. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so on Twitter at eyesandthemise or by email at eyesandthemise at gmail.com. We'd love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. For Ian, I'm John. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.